0: and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, finding fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility, but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Hello, beautiful. We are on for another IGTV live and we're live on TikTok and recording for the podcast. We are multitasking today. I had some really good questions, so I'm going to answer those. We're going to talk a lot about what you can do to improve, maintain your new fertility diet, how to stick with it, and how to analyze any food tests that you've had previously before. I had a really good question about a blood allergy test done. 15 foods showed up. I have eliminated most, but I don't feel any difference other than it helped my eczema. Only two of them seem to trigger it. Does that mean it's okay to eat the other foods that showed up positive on the test result that don't make me feel that there's a difference. So we always talk about how there's no test out there that's 100% accurate. And I have talked a lot about the difference of just getting an IgG test. And so most of us go out to the store, we can buy these food sensitivity tests now pretty easily. Sometimes even at the doctor's office, they'll just do an IgG tests as well. And the issue with that is that there's actually two types of reactions that you can have. So IgG is important, but it's not a really good accurate one to know if you have a food sensitivity, a food intolerance, or food allergy. There's all kind of different levels of how foods react in your body. So the first one is the igg and that is triggered it triggers the white blood cells to release a mediators which causes symptoms usually these are like right away like a peanut allergy and definitely is part of the immune system the other one is a cell mediate reaction occurring when the white blood cells are independently triggered to release mediators without the involvement of the antibodies so you definitely want to be testing for two and that's why it's worth the money if you really want to get a better clue of your reaction to all these food intolerances or which foods you actually need to be eliminating and so as you guys know i run the mrt leap 170 and those tests for both of those reactions. So when you get a food sensitivity test that's just doing the IGG, it's not the best test to know because what's happening too is that you might have eaten a lot of that particular type of food and you know, we always talk about how tests are a snapshot in time, and your body might have just been overreacting to it right then and there, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's like a long-term inflammatory response. But the other thing that I, you know, really want to make people aware of is that your gut health really controls a lot of your food intolerances and your food sensitivities. So this is excluding anything like a peanut allergy. I know that there's science out there that you can reverse a peanut allergy, but like that's a completely different thing, right? We're not talking about that. With your gut health, if you improve your gut health, you are going most likely to be able to tolerate more foods. I know for me, when my gut health is high, and that means I'm working really hard on maintaining my stress levels, Uh, working really hard on my diet, not drinking. There's lots of different factors in keeping your gut healthy. I can have some gluten, um, some high quality gluten. I can't go buy Wonder Bread anymore. That's like an instant no-no to me, Um, but maybe some like really nice slow fermented sourdough or rye bread and I can tolerate that. If I'm at peak gut health, I can actually tolerate some tomatoes or some paprika, like one helping once a week. And I don't see the reaction that I personally get when I have those nightshades. Now when my gut health is poor or really low, I can't go near any of that stuff. I get, I don't want to say instant reactions, like I don't flare up in hives or anything, but my stools change within the 48 hours. I can definitely clear a room. (laughs) That's one of my big symptoms is I am pretty stinky. And I notice when I was about 17, 18, 19, I started getting signs of an ulcer. They never properly diagnosed it and it's never gone away, but my ulcer will flare up when I have those types of reactions. So when you get food sensitivity tests, they're a good guideline and they definitely help to narrow down what you should be eliminating. But once again, it's your body that you really want to listen to. The other thing about this question that I found interesting or is a good piece of knowledge to have is, say you do have 15 intolerance. say they were real intolerances. Maybe some were a little bit mild and some were really high. The thing when you are healing is that you want to eliminate as many of those intolerances as you can, even if they're just mild intolerances, and let's say they don't necessarily give you a big reaction to your eczema or your gut health, because the more you're allowing your body to heal, the more time it has to heal and not deal with all the inflammation or even the mild inflammation that you're putting onto your body. So remember I always talk about your gut health is the same as having like a cut on your arm or a burn on your arm. The less you pick at it, the less you irritate it, the faster it's going to heal and You know, the more beautiful it's going to heal, right? Like your skin is only focusing on healing and not protecting itself or like fighting off other things. So that's the same with your gut health. So the more you can reduce, and I know that it's really frustrating. It's likely you're going to heal just a little bit quicker. So that's like with the autoimmune paleo diet and what we talk about in the fertility food program is that if you are able to do a full autoimmune paleo diet, um, I always recommend doing not just start an autoimmune paleo diet if you've never cut out anything in your life. It is definitely a gradual thing that you want to get yourself into because it is a really demanding diet. If you're able to stick with that diet though for 30 days and that's what we do, we do a 30-day reset. The goal is to start reintroducing foods back into your system because we want to be able to eat as much as we possibly can. We don't want to exclude any foods that aren't causing those reactions. So you reintroduce those foods and see you'll have a very clear picture of the ones that you are majorly reacting to. I hope that answered that question. (laughs) If you really want to know, definitely go invest in yourself. Find a practitioner like me who can run the MRT LEAP 170 For you, or a test equivalent to that standard that is checking those two reactions. I did it the hard way. I never had a food sensitivity test. I was already kind of really deep into my journey. And I found my food intolerances pretty quickly. I had a lot of them, unfortunately. And I've been able to reintroduce things back into my life. And the elimination, you know, part and phase and all that, like I said, is still really important, even if you have had a food sensitivity test. All the ones that I've run do Expose something that you maybe not would have picked up on. Every single one of them has had one or two of the top five food intolerances, which we talk about are dairy, corn, soy, sugar, and gluten. They always have that, but they've always had really random ones that you would never think of. I've seen green beans. Uh, I just did a post on Instagram today about avocados. I've seen avocados several times, tuna. So there could be some really weird ones. And even like grains that people think are healthy, which they are healthy and they're living this really healthy lifestyle. Those have popped up and they've been highly intolerant to them. And it's been such a bummer for them because you know here they are thinking that they're doing all the right things and for them it's it's not so it is really frustrating diet is one of the hardest things to tackle next to mindset but it's definitely worth it i'm really seeing now especially over on tiktok people coming out and saying you know i've changed things up and a lot of them i mean for many people in the infertility community they don't have to go as deep as I had to, like a lot of people don't have to go autoimmune paleo, but they, they've put in the time and the effort to, you know, cut out some, some of the things that they kind of know, like, like we know, like you got to start being really honest with yourself. Like, you know, when something isn't right, when you eat it. Um, So just giving your body the time to really start healing and regenerating, and then you can reintroduce it. And then you can kind of confirm like, okay, I do not do good on that. And you're also looking out for little symptoms, like do not ignore the snotty noses. Do not, you know, ignore the diarrhea. Like those aren't normal. I think a lot of times I was just listening to a little thing about egg freezing and most of the women that were coming on asking questions about egg freezing, they all had major issues. So, you know, endometriosis, PCOS, and they were scared about not having children later in life. And none of the conversation was centered around health. And I just wanted to like chime up and go, okay, well, there's gotta be an issue with egg freezing if you're not talking about getting the most healthy eggs you possibly can. We all think that egg health is connected to being young which I'm like a shining example that it has nothing to do or very like it does. I know I don't want to refute the science there, but I couldn't get pregnant at 27. I didn't have healthy eggs at 27 because of my health, not because of my age and getting pregnant naturally at 36. So we really, really want, this is not just about getting pregnant. This is all about your egg quality too. And for many of us dealing with underlining health issues, not only are we dealing with, let's say, you know, I had, two issues with my fertility. I had an egg quality and I had my body was rejecting the embryos and the solution to that was fixing the gut health. So when you focus on some underlining issues and you are focusing on your gut health, your endocrine system, that's going to spread out to everywhere in your body, including your fertility. So we really have to start looking at that. Do you avoid caffeine in general? That seems to be inflammatory for many, right? Yeah, if if you're having too much caffeine, it's an issue for everyone. If you have an intolerance, that's a different thing. But for most people, caffeine increases your adrenaline and it you know goes to your adrenals and you get this like massive high and spike. And for many people who are dealing with health issues, especially infertility, we are a group of type A women that are like, go, 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 is you're just whacking your adrenals again. And that's going to affect your endocrine system. And at the bottom of your endocrine system is your ovaries. So that is the big issue when it's linked to fertility. And it depends on if you are a fast metabolizer of caffeine. I know with coffee, it's a perfect example. If I have a full cup of coffee, like I am like, I am like whizzing, spinning everywhere. Like sometimes I get anxiety over it. Like I can't do a cup of coffee, but I have an aunt that can literally drink a cup of coffee at 10 o'clock at night and go to bed. (laughs) So she, she metabolizes it really slowly and I metabolize it really fastly. So, you know, they do say, stay away from all types of caffeine when you're trying to get pregnant. And that's really to help your adrenals and help your endocrine system. And then if you have an intolerance to it. And sometimes like the caffeine, in sodas and energy drinks that comes with like a whole other host of crap that you don't want in your body where coffee is just a different story if you are good on coffee if you feel good on coffee i don't have a problem with one good high quality cup a day when you're trying to conceive but you have to be really mindful um, about all the other issues surrounding that so let's go on to tiktok with some what do you think about the book it starts with the egg it's a really, really good book. Get the updated version because I think she talks about autoimmune issues in there. I know I read it, I read it after my journey was done because it came out after. So I think she has updated that, but it's a really good start. So yeah, it's got a lot of a lot of lot of information in there for you on that. So kombucha, if you work well on it that's great. I believe you can have it. It is high in sugars. So watch. I know that you can get some low ones. I've seen ones with like 25 grams of sugar in it. So you definitely want to watch out for the high sugar content in it. I know when people are healing their gut health, some people don't react very well on that. So just watch how you feel and just keep it down to one because obviously it has caffeine in it. Okay, so this is a really good question. Sometimes 30 days is not enough. The 30 days is the start of your journey. So if you can make 30 days and you you decide what foods you want to eliminate, do the reset and see where you are. If you can reintroduce, if you found your food intolerances, if you don't particularly feel better after it, then that means you need to go a little bit deeper, not just maybe finding other food intolerances, but also working on your mental, emotional health, your stress levels, because that all can have a big impact on your gut. And for some people, they will have to investigate their actual gut health and see what's going on within there, if there's any parasites, if there's any bugs, if the gut bacteria is just completely off kilter. The 30-day reset isn't a magic bullet where, okay, everything's fixed. It really depends on what your underlining root causes and your genetics. So those are two things that you have to play around with. Now, if you've done a 30-day reset, um, you have to also remember it takes three months for your eggs to mature and also for the sperm. So Just doing 30 days isn't necessarily gonna get you to your ultimate goal. You really want to give it minimum three months for the A quality going into an IUI or an IVF. That would be your bare minimum with your diet and your lifestyle. So I would say just keep going. If, If you're going to invest in medical treatment, minimum three months. For me, this is just like what I saw in my journey is I did paleo, which I thought was the ultimate diet for me. I felt great on it. And in hindsight, I didn't realize I was still having some symptoms, but they weren't major symptoms. But I still wasn't getting pregnant. I did another IVF, and I didn't even make it to day 28 on that IVF, even though we got healthy embryos. Yeah, there's no magic timeline. Your bare minimum, the three months for your egg and sperm quality. But the 30-day reset is, is the start you got to start somewhere. So doing the 30 day reset is great. And you just need to give your body time to heal. If you know that you have to have medical assistance to get pregnant, then scheduling it after the three months, maybe even six months is fine. But if medical assistance is something that you want, which is perfectly fine, I'm not like putting any judgment on that. Waiting As long as you possibly can, and we all have our different thresholds for that, right? In my experience and what I've seen with other people, you are more likely to save yourself time and money and heartache. I know we feel really time poor in the infertility community, and we want those results. Every month we're like, okay, I'm not pregnant, I'm not pregnant. And I know that medical assistance feels like you can achieve that goal quicker, which in some cases it does but you definitely wanna go into them with confidence or the much, as much confidence as you possibly can have. And know that, again, in my experience, Even my last frozen embryo transfer, I had what seemed like good eggs. We didn't have them genetically tested. I had the best diet. I knew I needed to be on an autoimmune paleo diet. I had the immune suppressing drugs. I had a successful pregnancy before that, and it still ended in a miscarriage. So just have that in the back of your mind too, is that with medical assistance, we feel like we can control more things, but at the end of the day, we we still don't have full control like we all wish we could. So I hope I hope that answers that question. Would you say water fasting is okay? No, I wouldn't say water fasting is okay. Uh, fasting for women, you need to be really careful with. This is where keto keto is like a fast, like kind of like a fasting diet. Um, And I've seen, and I experienced it too. I got, before I had all my knowledge, I got put on a keto diet, not even knowing it was a keto diet. And it was the first time in my life that my cycles went wonky and we were still eating, but we were very low carb. Like they recommended not even eating root veg and like I was fit. (laughs) like you can see my muscles, but I was physically inside, not healthy. A lot of women. So I wouldn't do water fasting. And that's the whole point of the fertility food program. Like you eliminate your food intolerances. And if you want to go on a more fasting diet, try autoimmune paleo. It cuts out a lot, but what it brings in is healing foods. So everything that you're eating is like giving you nutrients and giving your body that support where water fasting wouldn't give you really any of that. I mean, we all kind of fast when we go to sleep, right? (laughs) So, but yeah, I would stay away from any type of fasting. No, folate and folic acid are not the same thing. Folic acid is the synthetic form and I would highly recommend anyone dealing with infertility, especially if you have the MTHFR mutation to stay away from folic acid. That's not only in your prenatal, but look at if you are still having um, any kind of box food, they put folic acid in that. So I would highly recommend just staying away from folic acid and definitely get the natural folate in your prenatal and everything. Anything to improve progesterone levels and a short luteal phase? Yes, diet and lifestyle will absolutely help you do that. You want to regulate your hormones through your gut. I know that when I was going through my journey, there was a stage, especially between my IVFs and I was changing up my diet that I started noticing I had a shorter luteal phase and I started using the creams and in hindsight, wasn't going to do anything for me because that wasn't my issue. It wasn't my main issue. <laughs> it might have been an issue. I'm sure I had a few of them. But my main issues was the overactive immune system. So yes, you can use the creams. I think they are um, a little bit of a band-aid. You definitely want to improve all that through your diet and nutrition. I think next week I have my ovulation post coming out on Instagram. But you can go to... The website and uh, it, it's the podcast blog. There's a whole blog post about the importance and how you want to really improve your whole flow, and it breaks down every part of that cycle. Check that out. It's over on the search box on the right hand side. It's I think it's called fertility tips, and you'll see it within that. So there's a lot of um, really good information. What is the connection with gut health and Indo? So with autoimmune issues, what your body basically is doing is your gut health has this like, that's your gut, right? This circle. (laughs) And you have these like little nodules. They're like a shaggy carpet, think of. And as you wear down that shaggy carpet with inflammation, the food particles start getting into your bloodstream. And then your bloodstream is like, holy moly, your immune system goes, okay, attack, attack, attack. And that just causes different issues for different people. So endo would be an issue. High natural killer cells would be an issue. So that inflammation just presents itself. So you want to lower that inflammation as much as you possibly can, and that all happens in the gut. With endo, it's something you're never going to get rid of, but you can really manage the symptoms. And so if you have really severe endometriosis, it's really about managing the symptoms and keeping your inflammation Really low. I know with the people that I've connected with that are functional medicine and have endo themselves, you know, they say that they still get flare ups every once and again, but it's not the constant you would do with endometriosis. So that's the connection with gut health, you know, really anything else that's going on in the body. I know inflammation for me presented as ovarian cysts. So I used to get ovarian cysts all the time. I could literally feel them on my ovaries being heavy. The doctors always told me that they were normal some just went away and um, some would pop which was incredibly painful and changing up my diet alone I have not had a cyst for over seven years on my ovaries just because of that so you can't afford to change your diet at the moment so this might I don't mean to be coming off harsh this is all from love so that is a mindset block we choose to spend our money in certain places. And I do believe that there are times that you know, let's say you cannot go out and buy a grass-fed filet mignon, right? But maybe try to find other places in your life where you can cut back on money to be able to afford the more fresh products. Buying frozen is a really good way to improve your veg intake and not increase the bill. So it doesn't always have to be fresh. A lot of frozen products are actually fresh and then frozen, which actually keeps in the nutrients you want out of them and I know they taste a little bit different but that's just you know one of the things that you can do I know I've seen on TikTok a vegan guy go in and buy from the Dollar Tree you know a lot of frozen products you don't have to buy everything organic I mean obviously we want to do it as much as possible but just go there's like a 12 dirty dozen which I think I have on the blog as well so try to stay away from the dirtiest fruits and vegetables that hold in the toxins and then just go what you can so yeah a frozen i would stay away from can i know they are doing a lot of cans that aren't lined with bpa so that might be a good option and yeah, just try to search around in your life where you can cut back in other places to be able to afford some more fresh food. I know for us, we spend about 40% of our income on food, which people think is like crazy. And it is, it is crazy, right? But we just got to a point where we we dropped tens of thousands of dollars on IVF, which is even crazier because it's not a long-term solution to your health, if that makes sense. And that's, where you kind of got to get your mindset to. I know there is Devin Biazod. She's a fertility finance coach. So she's really good at helping with your mindset towards money. So she, you might want to check out her. I definitely don't want to tell you you like you can do it um, because I know there's really hard times right now, but it is really just shifting up maybe some priorities. One thing that she talks about is like going through your house and start selling things that you don't need. So there, there are ways... Also, on top of that, there are ways within the supermarkets that you can get food that's a little bit healthier and change it up. Okay, let's go back to Louise okay so prenatals i've had that twice now prenatals seeking health is the brand i represent um their prenatal is amazing it comes in like a chewable form i think they've just launched one without something in it sorry my mind's gone completely blank they have a few different variations they are definitely on the higher price point so if you go to my website and download the free pdf my top three are on there and i i actually go into supplements a lot on that pdf and why it's so important not to over supplement and the top three supplements that most people should be on and give you information but thinking health is my top one i know thorn basics is a really good um company i like them and i'm just trying to think the one i took is uk base um it is on there because that's the one i took but i don't think it's available in america and i just did tiktok actually about supplements And this is the key things. Like we just talked about folate over folic acid. And you want to look at what else they have added into their ingredients. So we just like look and we go vitamin K, vitamin A, iron, this, that, that. Okay, perfect. I need all that. But if you research, if you look at what else they put in their supplements as fillers, as colors, all that type of stuff, that's where you need to focus on because most prenatals are going to be about the same and it's quality, it's once again, it's an investment it's something you're taking every single day i know people think i like nitpick over things but when you're dealing with long-term infertility when you're dealing with root causes underlining issues these are the things that i feel that matter so we want to put in the time the effort and the money because in the grand scheme of things hopefully it's going to be a very short, short period of your life where you have to make those investments. And in my journey, if I would have known this information, I, I probably could have saved myself like seven years and tens of thousands of dollars. So it's, it's worth it. But look into the ingredients. Celiac, yeah, they can be contributing to your infertility. So they wouldn't be the cause of your infertility. But because you have those underlining autoimmune issues, you really need to dial in on your diet, your lifestyle, and your supplementation to get your body clear of that inflammation. With those underlining causes, you're probably just more genetically susceptible to infertility. not I'm not saying that everyone who has that deals with infertility, but the way your genetics are set up. So what you would want to be doing is focusing on definitely looking at an autoimmune paleo diet and stress level levels, mental and emotional health to really hone in and getting those under control. And that will trickle down into any other fertility issues like egg health, high NK cells, clotting issues. You might need medical support. And that's where medical support is amazing to help guide you along in your journey. We want to do as much as we possibly can. But for some of us, we do need that medical assistance. So don't be afraid of medical assistance, but don't just rely on that in its entirety we are going to end this podcast right here this particular igtv live went extremely long. I was having fun. I was really into it, engaged. There was a lot of people live on TikTok and Instagram, and we had a wonderful time. So I'm going to break it here, and I'm going to reset next week with the second half of the Q&A. So I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Have a beautiful weekend, and we will see you next week for another Mm Q&A.